Which is 10. I begin in the name of Allah, compassionate to all, merciful to each. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the 10th episode in this podcast series titled Journey Our Eyes Through the Quran, Exploring 30 Juz in 30 Days. Today, inshallah, we will continue our journey through the pages of the Quran as we take a brief look into the 10th juz of the Quran, which contains the last 35 verses of Surah Al-Anfal and 92 verses of the 9th chapter of the Holy Quran, Surah At-Tawbah. Surah At-Tawbah is also known as Bara'a, as per the first word of the chapter. Unlike the Meccan Surah Al-Anfal, Surah At-Tawbah is a Medinan Surah, which was revealed after the conquest of Mecca, where the Muslims dealt with those who had previously oppressed them. This is why the chapter is called Tawbah or Bara'a. The word Tawbah comes from the verb Taba, which means to turn to, and often refers to repentance, since repentance is when one turns to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Derivatives of the verb taba occur 17 times in this chapter alone, the highest number of times in a single surah of the Holy Quran. This is especially interesting, juxtaposed to and considering that the other name of the surah is bara'a, which means disassociation. Some of you may be familiar with this word or have heard the term tabari, which also means to disassociate and is from the same root. The reason that this chapter is also called bara'a is because it deals with the difficult subject of the outcome for those who aggressively continue to attack Islam and Rasulullah After the conquest of Mecca and the Muslims gaining power, this was an issue that had to be dealt with. This topic is why some mufassirin opine the chapter does not begin with the basmala, i.e. the phrase Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, as is seen with every other chapter of the Holy Quran. That is to say that because of the heavy topic of the outcome of the conflict between the Muslimin and their oppressors, it was not befitting to begin the chapter with two names describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's incredible mercy like Rahman and Rahim. It is argued that the theme of this chapter and the occasion for which it was revealed are more related to the attributes of the might and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, this is just one opinion. Another opinion about the absence of the basmala is that Surah At-Tawbah is actually a continuation of Surah Al-Anfal. According to Alama Tabatabai, this opinion is quite strong. As such, the reason as to why it does not have a basmala is because both Surah Al-Anfal and Surah At-Tawbah are one and the same surah or chapter, with the basmala at the beginning of Surah Al-Anfal sufficing for this as well. Ultimately, as Alama Tabatabai notes, this discussion is somewhat irrelevant to the contents and tafsir of the chapter. And although the first opinion we cited opines that the reason for the chapter lacking a basmala is due to its harsh subject matter, the contents of the verses somewhat contradict this, with how many times the word toba, i.e. repentance, and its derivatives are mentioned in the chapter. In fact, as early as the fifth verse in Surah Tawba, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, But if they repent and maintain the prayer and give the zakat, then let them alone. Inna Allaha ghafurur rahim. Indeed, Allah is all-forgiving and all-merciful, with rahim be mentioned here as well. The door of repentance is always open, and this is a part of God's mercy. Moreover, justice is a part of God's mercy, and when we discuss some of the harsher aspects of justice, they are not without God's mercy or rahmah, as is unfortunately commonly misunderstood. 
In many theological discussions, the concept of Tawheed al-Sufat is discussed, and this is a pertinent concept to note here. Tawheed al-Sufat means the unity in God's attributes or the oneness of God's characteristics. It means that while we look at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attributes and characteristics and names in order to understand what we can of Him in our limited capacity, we should know that these names and attributes do not exist independently of one another. They represent one reality. As a result, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine essence and attributes are one and the same, undividable, non-compound, unlimited reality. So when we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful, or Rahman and Rahim on the one hand, and that He is just on the other, we are not discussing two separate things. They are both one and the same. And when we look at the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or discussions like the one in Surah At-Tawbah, this concept is vital to keep in mind. This chapter mentions many of the tests that the Muslims went through subsequent to the conquest of Mecca. These were tests that ascertained the strength of their faith. Some of these tests are mentioned in the surah, starting with the enactment of justice against oppressors active in their aggression against people of faith and spanning up to two battles, including Hunayn and Tabuk, which are mentioned in the surah, where the Muslims struggled with weak spirits. Their weakness had reached a point where they were chastised in verses 38 to 41 for their failure to fight, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds them of the beautiful instances in which he aided them. First, he says in verse 38, O you who have faith, what is the matter with you that when you are told go forth in the way of Allah, you sink heavily to the ground? Are you pleased with the life of this world instead of the hereafter? But the wares of the life of this world compared with the hereafter are but insignificant. After this verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turns to note his support for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and how even when numbers were low and odds seemed to be against Rasulullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always ensured support for Rasulullah. It is noted in verse 40, If you do not help him, then Allah has already helped him. When the faithless expelled him as one of two refugees, when the two of them were in the cave, he said to his companion, Do not grieve, Allah is indeed with us. Then Allah sent down his composure upon him, Rasulullah, and strengthened him with hosts you did not see. And he made the word of the faithless the lowest, and the word of Allah is the highest, and Allah is almighty, all wise. This beautiful reminder or blast to the past 
reminds the Muslims that even when their numbers were few and Rasulullah wasallam was almost alone having to escape in the middle of the night and when he left Imam Ali salam in his bed in the famous occasion of Laylatul Mabit or the night of sleeping in the Prophet's bed even then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Prophet and the message of truth in a miraculous way using the web of a spider in a story that is all too familiar with us. In this way, he ensured that truth was preserved. Moreover, in times like the Battle of Badr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was with the Muslims and with Rasulullah, and he strengthened the believers with what they could not see, sending angels to support them and more, as is mentioned in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of supporting Muslims and the Rasulullah, even when the numbers were low. So why wouldn't he protect and help them when they were strong as per the occasion of this surah? It is curious to think that the Muslimin were so hesitant to fight alongside Rasulullah even after witnessing the victory of the conquest of Mecca and all of the ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had aided the Muslims. However, it is important to note here that at this point in time there were many new Muslims and it can be argued that the reality of faith had not yet entered their hearts. Moreover, there were many hypocrites amongst the Muslimin, who not only had faith not entered their hearts yet, but they were also hiding the true reality of their intentions and sentiments towards the Muslims, joining them only because it was opportunistic and beneficial for them. In verse 42, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala notes that had the journey or the Battle of Hunayn and Tabuk, had these journeys been easy journeys versus arduous ones, these people would have joined, meaning that they were only willing to be a part of the cause of Rasulullah when it was convenient and when it was to their benefit. As such, they made excuses to avoid the battle, and the verses in this surah elaborate on this false excuse, exposing the reality of their hypocrisy. Although we are not in the exact same situation that the Muslims were facing at the time of the revelation of this surah, there are some overarching principles that we too can take heed from. Are we only willing to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it's convenient and easy for us? Are we opportunistic in our Muslimness? Or are we willing to obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even when it is difficult and inconvenient? وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته رب